Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. That's Andy Wood. Yes, it is. We're, uh... It's hard not to have the first thing we say on each one of these be a response to a new and crazy thing that's just yeah. been said by the president of this country. Well, also, we're recording two episodes kind of back-to-back yeah, with just is... one day in between, so who knows what will have happened by the time we next record. Oh, by the time you listen to this episode, it may well be... It, every morning. I, I didn't used to check the general news first thing in the morning every morning but now i do and it's like christmas for crazy it's it, uh it's terrifying it's terrifying uh this is the new reality uh on that beautiful note yes. okay welcoming both to the show and to the country for a brief period of time uh the very funny james acaster good to be here thank you very much thanks for coming james- good to be here guys good to see you both <laughs> <laughs> likewise likewise um, yeah, you're just on a quick visit. You're sketch fest and then riot fest, and yeah, just just doing all the gigs, meeting all the meeting all the faces. It's a lovely place. I've never been here before. I, I went to New York and then LA, both new to me, and also not as different as they make out. No, not as different. I mean, obviously different places, but the people, the people in New York have a, a, a chip on their shoulder about people in, in LA. That's the only difference I've noticed. Yeah, I, it's and New York way... is really similar to London. Yeah, New York's great. It's really good. It shouldn't be insecure at all, <laughs> and yet they seem to have this insecurity. Well, they, they wouldn't paint it as that. No, they're like, this but, is the best city in the world. Fuck yeah. LA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, they kind of come to LA. Not one person. <laughs> has, without being prompted, mentioned New York to me in LA. No one's going to gone, oh, you've been to New York, fucking, how was that? Or whatever. But <laughs> LA, everyone's like, oh, when I was in New York, everyone was like, you're going to LA? Oh, fucking, put your shades on. Oh, oh. man, you went to meet those people. And you go, oh, yeah, they're like you, but they bitch about LA as much. <laughs> they're slightly more tan, but yeah, yeah. LA is, in the, is part of two one-way rivalries, because San Francisco right. also has that attitude, but LA is like... Oh yeah, San Francisco's nice. Like, yeah, like, yeah, we, yeah. I don't know if that I'm, maybe that means I think we're better, but like, yeah, New York and San Francisco, I'm fine with all of them. They just seem to hate us for some yeah. reason. Yeah, this is crazy. But like, I guess it's like that in England a little bit with London and the rest of the country. Yeah. yeah. So like, everyone just hates London, and uh, and London's yeah. like, we like you guys. Yeah, yeah. But, but the well, UK- we like you guys to visit. <laughs> <laughs> UK is though, the UK is really skewed in the. London is so by far the biggest city. Yeah. And yeah. And also it's the cap like it's the capital of everything pretty much in the UK. Mm. Like like America has different capitals depending on what you're looking at. Like LA is the entertainment capital, right, right. New York is like finance. finance and banking, but the political capital is DC. Um so mm. yeah, and theater is in New York. Like each different yeah. like different things are spread around the country. But uh, like London, pretty much everything is centered in London. Like it's yeah, there's no other. Yeah, it's like I mean there are you know the other cities have certain things that have been that that are they're better at, but like racism. Yeah, much. <laughs> <laughs> For example, who sweeps the best chimney? Like was there a, is like Manchester? What's the? Oh, that was definitely back in the day. Was London? That was yeah. You've okay, watched watch guess... Mary Poppins and you got all the chimney sweeps. Yeah, okay. I'd say there's more chimneys in London than almost any city in the world. That's a good point. Why would you go somewhere else? If you... <laughs> that should be a section on the show. Unchecked facts, <laughs> things that sound true. That's a larger proportion of the show than you might think. James. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, this is, yeah, we could just say anybody who's denying that is groveling, which is a word that Trump keeps using and doesn't know what it means, I guess. Uh, sorry, okay, I'm going to stop. I swear I'm going to stop. You can't. Yeah. Well, we might as well mention, given that we are we're starting with Trump, that there is a proposed science march. Yeah. It does tie into the theme of the show. It's the, we'll, we'll, we'll be the third of, uh, of the big marches, because there's also the Tax Day March. People are saying they should do on April 15th. Everyone should march on Washington to get Trump to release his tax records, as he promised yep. he would and won't. Um, I'm hopeful that April is... Having him still in office by April, I'm hoping, is a long shot. Because like, yeah. if he's doing this every day, he's not going to last more than a month or two, right? I hope... I, I think they're holding no, out then, till... Sorry, what were you going to say, James? Well, just, uh, every, every time we, we kind of go, but you know, that, yeah, it can't, that won't can't, happen. But it's so many times we've all gone like, well, he's not going to actually, you know, he's yeah. not going to be the Republican candidate. Yeah. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I remember those days, we all thought that was a long shot. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, who, all right. So he did add out because there were so many other rivals. But once it's one on one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's, he's going to get mm. destroyed. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this this science march, I guess they still haven't decided on a date yet, but the Twitter handle for it already has 171,000 followers. 172. It just went up 1,000 since we were recording. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, at Science March DC, people want to march on Washington. Um, you don't have to be a scientist. You just have to appreciate the scientific method and um, evidence-based <laughs> facts. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, if that comes together... That controversial I idea. for that, right. <laughs> Would you go? You think, Matt? I think I might, because also I, I was, um, I I missed out on the the big day of marching, the international multi-city women's march, because I was a man. I was a man, and fuck that noise. <laughs> no, I was um, I I was traveling that day. I was I was doing that gig in a uh the middle of Missouri, Truman State. Hey, Truman State. Uh, you, well, you were got fun. a big crowd for that, didn't you? They were nice. Yeah, it was one of those. College gigs can be wildly varied in how they're organized and who shows up. And this was one where the college clearly, like, is into the comedy thing and they care about it. And the people who run the committee, like, show up more pandered and they make sure people show. And it, it was great. It was oh, really nice. fun. Cool. I met a few people. Like, I met a couple of people who already listened to the show. And hopefully a couple more people will listen now because I plugged it during the show. So, hey, Truman State. Thanks for being cool. Get that Truman State bump. Yeah. But I did spend the day, like, when all the marches were happening... Um, I spent the first half of the day driving from the Truman State to Kansas City Airport. I arrived in Kansas City around the time their march was starting, because theirs was li- later. Yeah. And then landed in LA just around the time that the LA one was finishing. So I, I kind of, you know, I want to show up and be counted. Yeah. Although yeah. maybe that's a scary thing to do nowadays. <laughs> that's like, I like to anonymously show up and be counted right if they do the muslim registry would you just sign up for it just to throw off the numbers well here's the weird here's the i'm in this really weird state because i'm in america on a visa oh so my oh yeah my my immigration status could be revoked at any point like i could be that march if i were i i could be yeah i like at any point i could be Probably not thrown out the country, but they can make it very hard for me to renew my visa or re-enter the country. Right, right. Like Um, everyone who was surprised coming in from Canada that they weren't allowed in when they said, we want to come in to protest your country. (laughs) Yeah, that was one where, on the one hand, like, right to protest should be a universal thing. But also, I know what the border is like. And the people, like, any country's border... They act kind of without due process and kind of... Yeah. They're at Laura... Like, every time I enter America, even though I know I have all the right paperwork and I know I have the visa documentation, there's always that slight worry that I'll just 
arrive at the wrong person's desk on the wrong yeah, day. Yeah. That person is just having a shitty afternoon and wants to make an example of me. Yeah. It's it's scary. Um, I went to the Women's March in San Francisco. Oh, cool. And uh, it was the rally bit ran really late, like about two hours late. And at, at, the, at the end of the... Uh, it's, it's, so it's already running two hours late. It was raining. Everyone wanted to start... And then uh, they were like, we've got one more speaker. And everyone was like, oh, no. And then, and then they went, welcome, Joan Baez. And everyone was like, oh, no, come on. And I was like, you've never seen so many people be like, not Joan Baez. <laughs> not now, Joan. We just want to do the march. And it was like, everyone just not, not thrilled to see Joan Baez. was such a weird... We're, we're grateful you exist. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for what you did in past years. However... Yeah, you're really cool, but can you just... You'd be even cooler if right now you just said, nah, That's more... Yeah. Yeah, if you went like, smart. start your me. engines! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Joan. Thank you. <laughs> there's always... I, I do also like... There's a, any left-wing protest, and most protests do tend to be on the left-wing generally, but like, there's always... Whatever it is, there's always a, a Palestine banner somewhere. Yeah. And there's always someone about the bees. Yeah. We, we had to save the bees. Yeah. I just go, I absolutely loved it. Everyone else with, like, Trump banners and this one person saved the bees. Just going, like, <laughs> I think we're forgetting. Let's not forget the bees. <laughs> and there's always, yeah, there's always, um, and there's, there's, there's often um, of the tyranny of male circumcision as well. Great, yeah. There's <laughs> always... The left is just too fractured. Yeah, you got too many tiny issues, yeah. and then nobody's gonna just. That's why I think that the taxes thing could work well because that's a very specific thing that mm. has an actual endpoint. Where if he does this thing, we will be happy. We came here to get you to do this one thing that you can actually do, check off. But he won't do it. it doesn't yeah. matter. There'll be someone there at the march though with a banner that says all bees should release their tax <laughs> to everyone and stop spending our tax on Palestine. Yeah, be okay. very confused. But yeah, no, he should. He, wait, uh, how's he even getting around it now? He said he said he'd do it. There's no. I don't think there's any legal recourse to make you follow through on a campaign promise. Like, I don't yeah, he's now saying that he won't do it, and uh, Kellyanne Conway was saying that the. Um, the people the, don't care. Well, they, they, she was saying that the election was the election legislated that. She was saying like he stood for election, not releasing his tax returns, and he won, so he doesn't have to. And like, well, that's a lie. He stood for election uh, on the grounds that he will release them once the audit right. is finished, Someone which was a clear lie for him in the hopes that, that would happen. And she's like, oh no, Americans care about their taxes, not about his. Like, how do you get to decide that? <laughs> also, based on everything else he's lying about, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like worth like 20 million dollars or something like, well if, so. if you count in the amount of debt that he definitely has oh yeah it might be negative for all we know yeah he's definitely not a billionaire like he's um we can't i'm sorry I hey james stop. Stop before we get this. into fully into the stories we always ask guests this um mm. what if anything is your background in science and that ah that can range from like a full degree to sure. a class you liked or hated at school or something you blew up in the woods my dad is a chemistry teacher. Okay. And uh, and also an examiner for the Cambridge Exam Board, and, and, and he, uh, he trains people to uh, teach science abroad. Okay. I, as a result, have shunned science <laughs> <laughs> for most of my childhood because I didn't want to. I didn't want to hear about it at the dinner table. Like he would, you know, often 
start to explain things scientifically and we would all roll our eyes and not want to hear it from him so he just kind of stopped doing it um i, I did it until gcse and then stopped so that's like 16 uh i'm not very uh, i'm not as sciencey as i'd like to, but i really regret uh, blocking my ears to it as a kid around my dad, who is a very bright man. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you what did you do like for A levels and stuff? You went all art subjects. Uh, I tried to, yeah, no, I did. I did go all art subjects. I I, I did uh, drama, art, and uh, and music. Yeah, that's what I did. What kind um, of music? Uh, it was just like music class at school, but like I, I was I was in bands and stuff until I was twenty two. All the time oh, cool. was playing in. A mixture. I was I was in a a new metal band when I was fifteen, and then a, a hardcore punk band, then a post hardcore band, and then this experimental jazz pop band for about three years. That <laughs> nice. was, what was a, your instrument? Drums. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I tried to learn to sing for the final band, and that didn't go well. But I had, <laughs> I had about three years of, of singing lessons, and um, by the end of it, I could sing as well as anyone else can like, <laughs> like in the car. Like so, it was that kind of. <laughs> Like it wasn't when I started, I was tone deaf, and I went in on my first singing lesson. And um, my, I, I just, the first thing I had to do was sing along to some scales, and she just said, "I can't teach you." Oh. Like, I was so bad, and I said, just "Give me a week. I'll practice every day. If I haven't improved at all next week, you can never see me again." And that was the deal I did with her. And I'd, I'd improved marginally, so she said, "Okay, fine, we'll carry on doing this." <laughs> and I uh, three years, and I, I became friends with her, and like she's this like. At the time, she was like a 55-year-old Italian woman. and Now she's still Italian, but I don't know how old she is. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I used to go around for, for meals with her, and I learned way more about her personal life than I should have. <laughs> um, I just, like, had this kind of bizarre friendship for so a So you while. sort of, you can't sing, but you did pay to befriend uh, yeah. an older and here European about, lady. Yeah, you know, the, the I, I was there for quite a few interesting stages in her life, her... her her divorce was one of the most thrilling dramas I've ever been involved in. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible, and she was so open to everybody about it. Uh, and yeah, she she was she was, she was something else. Was you know, that was that on the her. clock, or would she like pause the timer and be like, "By the way, you got to hear about." Yeah, uh, it would be paused. So like okay. every lesson of hers would overrun because she was like this with all of her yeah. students. So I would turn up on time. I had to wait forty five minutes because she her lesson was overrunning. She was chatting all the time. Then mine would start. So you'd get your you know whatever it was half an hour or an hour of singing lesson but you'd also on top of that get you know more than that of chat and <laughs> yeah, yeah, catch yeah. it up and hanging out and uh i, I tried she tried to start a, a band with me once um which was it was assuming not with you on lead vocals no me on congas yeah. okay. so not even on the drums so she'd start she, she, she had a student from music theory who uh he was a didgeridoo player and she was a <laughs> Yeah, well, she was teaching him. I should point out, it's just, just normal music theory, yeah, yeah. not we do music theory, which I can't even imagine what that looks like written I down. See the, like, the, the, the charts for that, like the, the staff just says, whoa. Yeah, yeah. It's one Go constant yeah. line for the whole thing. Start now, stop here. Yeah, circular breathe. It's little reminders to breathe. But like, um, no, she she met him. She was a grade eight flautist. He was like a didgeridoo player. They had been jamming together. <laughs> after their uh, music theory lessons and they, they thought they needed some percussion so she yeah. was like well I mean all the, all the flute didgeridoo combos I've seen also have to have percussion you like, need bongos yeah. in there yeah, too yeah, otherwise it's just oh it just sounds ridiculous yeah, otherwise. Yeah. so like she, she was like you know bring, bring, bring your congas along we'll play and uh, 
he picked me up. I'd never met him before, and the didgeridoo player <laughs> picked me up. And um, before we'd even got out of my street in the car, he had asked me if I liked conspiracy theories. <laughs> he, he'd told me that 9-11 was an inside job, and that the, uh, the, the British government were injecting kids with, uh, um, I think, something that gave them measles or something. Mm. He, said, he said, Gordon Brown's kidnapping kids in vans. So I was like, oh, this is already... But also, he pitched a sitcom to me. <laughs> uh, were like, you already doing comedy by I this started point? doing stand-up. So this is like after the band... And, and so I, was like, I started doing stand-up and he said oh she says you're a comedian I've got an idea for a sitcom it's about a guy who goes, he's a lorry driver but he, um, he does kung fu on people <laughs> and I was like okay perfect well, I don't know I mean and uh yeah, we what got, more do you need for a sitcom? I was like, that's say no more. I'll take it to the big guys. And, uh, <laughs> it writes itself effectively. Yeah, and the jam. I tell you what, you won't believe this, but it's the jam we had sounded good. Like <laughs> I, I was really surprised, but we did it like a fifteen-minute jam, and at the end, he said to me, um, "You're playing too fast. Slow down." And 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 she went, uh, "It's okay. It's just a jam. You can do what you want, James." And he kind of looked a bit pissed off, but didn't say anything. Then we had another jam. Straight after, so in one practice, we, we did another one, and he said, um, "Too slow now. You need to you need to speed it up." So you were getting whiplashed. Yeah, he was he was whiplashing <laughs> me for the whole thing. But every time he would whiplash me, she would go, "No, seriously, James, it's just a bit of fun. Do what you like." He'd, he'd look a bit annoyed, and then, and then we'd have another little little go of it. And then, as always, her, her next student turns up, and we're overrunning. It's this little old lady, and um, she says, "Oh, what's going on here?" It's just, "Oh, we formed a band." <laughs> And then this is l- it not obvious? Yeah, yeah. Can you we- not see the didgeridoo flute and bongos? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is clearly a band, um, and not just one section of Jamiroquai. And um, and then uh, and then this, this this old lady was like, "Oh, my, you know, as you know, Cecilia, my uh, my uh, Cecilia's the name of my second teacher. Um, my my son is a record producer." <laughs> And she said, I'll, I'll, I'll ring him up now and he can listen to you guys play. So this is like the first practice. Oh and we're like, it lo- it's looking like we're going to be like the next big thing. Right. And she rings him up. She, 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 I remember her saying, I'm here with a hot new band, is how she put it. <laughs> and then she put it on speaker. She put it on speaker. And then she was like, she nodded at us. And then we started playing and we had this jam. And we, and, and we, we were jamming for about... The other jams lasted 15, 20 minutes. This one was like a minute or two. And the didgeridoo player stops. He puts his hand in the air for us to stop. He says to me, you're going too fast again. You, you need to slow it down. And Cecilia goes, oh, no, honestly, James, just do whatever you like. And then he stands up, this didgeridoo guy stands up and goes, right, fucking knew this would happen. I knew, I knew that you were planning against me the whole time. I knew that you were going to turn him against me at some point. This whole band is meant to be a democracy. And you're turning it into your thing. Well, fuck you. I'm not doing your fucking band anymore. And then he threw his didgeridoo on the ground, which if you've ever heard a didgeridoo hit the ground, makes a, a, the most satisfying doink sound you've ever heard. Picks it up, puts it in his case. He storms out. And he turns to me and goes, do you, do you still want to lift? And I was like, no, I'm all right. And he walks out, slams the door. And then you just hear from the phone, just you hear, Mum? <laughs> Mum, what's going on? And she has to go away and speak to her son who's just heard this whole thing play out. The entire VH1 behind the music that happened in the span of like just 45 minutes. Entire career. Rise and fall of a band. Yeah, yeah. The guy had already drawn up the contracts and then yeah, he yeah, the phone. Yeah, yeah. He, was on, he was on board. The cigar fell out of his yeah. mouth. He was so blown away. Kids, it's a hit. Yeah. I'm sorry to say this, but it's no longer a hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In that space of time. The label's dropped, you guys. I don't know how to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> the record producer guy probably is like, they sound like a real band now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she formed, had record label interest, and split up in the space of a practice. I'm guessing he was a white didgeridoo player. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'd, I'd be interested to know how heavily being a white didgeridoo player and being into conspiracy theories correlates. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Single circle of endo. He'd also lived in Jerusalem for a year uh, and it, it, just eating out of bins. <laughs> so, like, you know, this so guy... It's a colourful character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know that there is a real thing called Jerusalem Syndrome? Oh, yeah. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before, which is people in Jerusalem... There's a strong tendency for people in Jerusalem to go bonkers. Right, and have, okay. Like, messiah it, complexes. Yeah, it's according oh. to Wikipedia, it's a group of mental phenomena involving the presence of either religiously themed obsessive ideas, delusions, or other psychosis-like experiences that are triggered by a visit to the city of Jerusalem. It's not endemic to one single religion or denomination, but has affected Jews, Christians, and Muslims of many different backgrounds. Wow, maybe right. he had that. But apparently, once you leave Jerusalem, it tends to abate. Like, it tends to... Uh, but he went to Kettering in Northamptonshire, which <laughs> anyone from England would know. It's the, very much the Jerusalem of yeah, Britain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. So, so like, many different religions lay claim to Kettering. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember Paris Syndrome we talked about a while back that usually affects Japanese tourists? Yeah, that's... Just, there's like a letdown that happens when people come to Paris because uh, they've built it up in their minds so much yeah. and there's a crisis helpline that Japanese tourists in Paris can call to deal with the crushing right. depression of being let down by Paris not being perfect. That's yeah. fair enough. I mean, Paris isn't great. No. I mean, it's fine, but, you know. It's not, you know, when you... I mean, especially... Like, my um my girlfriend and her, her friends went on a little tour of Europe recently, and Paris was like the last place they went to. And yeah, they all felt pretty let down after having been to Rome and Prague and all these places. They really didn't like. Yeah, and particularly I think, like, there's something about being Japanese and both the way Paris is built up to you as this romantic, uh, poetic city of culture. Yeah, and then the rudeness and the abruptness which particularly if you are Japanese, where that's really sort of antithetical to your culture. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. It, it, apparently it's a severe form of culture shock that's particularly, yeah, particularly noted amongst Japanese mm-hmm. travellers. Wow. Um, it's a combination of, according to Wikipedia, again, the language barrier, cultural differences, um, the idealised image of Paris, and exhaustion as well. Which, like trying to cram too much into every moment of stay in Paris along with the effects of jet lag. Right, right. Overbooking one's energy. Just don't go. <laughs> just avoid both just, of the cities. Just go, but be warned. Be warned yeah. that that might happen. Everyone should be warned going into Paris. It's not what you think it is. Mm-mm. By the way, I meant to ask you about the... So you were in a new metal band at some point? Yeah, that's my first ever band when I was 15. Are yeah. you by any chance a fan of Slipknot? I was until I saw them live and then I stopped being a fan of theirs which was annoying because I, I was wearing a Slipknot shirt that's so. crazy I had just had the exact opposite experience last oh, night oh really the David Bowie tribute at the Wiltern they had all these great singers or not great at least like famous singers uh, covering Bowie's songs and the backing band was his actual band like his longtime yeah. piano guy and um, yeah the people he's toured with for the last like 20 years so they had the lead singer of Def Leppard lead singer of Fishbone lead singer of Spandau Ballet Lead singer Bush, they had Sting, Sting's son, Donovan's son, 
And the fucking guy from Slipknot, Corey yeah. Taylor, he did China Girl, and it was amazing. He's got a yeah. great voice. I've never heard any Slipknot, but like he comes out, and Brian Cook, who I was there with, is like, "Here's the lead singer of Slipknot," and we're just like, Phew. and then like he blew us away. <laughs> oh yeah, wow, he's that great. Was... <laughs> hey, he started doing panel shows in the UK. He did QI in the really? UK the other day. Yeah, he's a huge fan of QI, and he'd been trying to get on QI for ages. And eventually got got on it and was very funny as well yeah. on it. But like, I have no me, idea. I saw Slipknot immediately. Uh, so it was on. Is that a festival? Yeah. And they were on straight after Rage Against the Machine, and I just was like, ah, oh, this isn't that's good. Like I saw yeah. Rage and it was so great, and then I saw Slipknot, and they kind of they're just doing the whole thing of like you know fucking punching each other in the face and puking up in their masks <laughs> and stuff. And I, I think at 15 I was just a little bit like nah, I don't like this. Uh, I wasn't too, as into it but like I think yeah because I enjoyed Rage Against the Machine so much before them it meant that Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah the masks I just always wrote them off as like just juggalo-ish you know like yeah. seeing clown posse sort of stuff but like he can sing. I mean yeah. Yeah he can and, I, and I, I was so into them when they first came out like I was I've never been turned off a band so quickly. <laughs> But then a lot of new metal bands, if you see them live, I mean, to be fair to Slipknot, they are actually good performers and stuff. But like, I remember seeing Papa Roach live, oh, also, wow. also nice. at, at a festival, and seeing this guy just wheezing his way through a rap was really, really quite. Did depressing. they do that heavy cover of Faith by George Michael's that Papa Roach or a that was band? Limp Bizkit? Did oh, I'm that. sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is. How I mean, no. Dare you? So I'm you shouldn't apologise. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to know that. <laughs> yeah. That reflected way worse on me than it did on you. But I got that right immediately. Um, hey, you know, there's another age-old debate between quality of things. Oh, I'm not even going to go for a clumsy segue here. Um, this is weird because this is an article that just popped up in the BBC Science uh, pages, and it's debunking something that I didn't know was previously a theory. It goes... Um, the idea that dogs are more intelligent than cats has been called into question. I never previously knew that that was a thing. Yeah. I would have, to be honest, if you'd asked me to guess, I would have said the opposite previously, based on years of relatively repetitive stand-up comedy. <laughs> um, Japanese scientists say cats are as good as dogs at certain memory tests, suggesting they may be just as smart. A study involving 49 domestic cats shows felines can recall memories of pleasant experiences such as eating a favorite snack. Dogs show this type of collection, a unique memory of a specific event known as episodic memory. Humans often consciously try to reconstruct past events that have taken place in their lives, such as what they ate for breakfast, their first day in a new job, or a family wedding. These memories are linked with an individual take on events, so they're unique to that person. Um, Saho Tagaki a psychologist at Kyoto University said cats as well as dogs use memories of a single past experience which they imply which may imply they have episodic memory similar to that of humans yeah we did that story about dogs having that yeah three weeks ago maybe yeah um so episodic memory is viewed as being related to introspective function of the mind our study may imply a type of consciousness in cats she told BBC News um an interesting speculation is they may enjoy actively recalling memories of their experience like humans. Uh, the Japanese team tested 49 domestic cats and their ability to remember which bowl they had already eaten out of and which remained untouched after a 15-minute interval. They found that cats could recall what and where information about the food bowls, suggesting they had an episodic memory. Um, the researchers suggest that cats may remember for much longer periods than the short time tested. 
and they say cats can match dogs on various mental tests, including responding to human gestures, facial expressions, and emotions. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No. I'm allergic to Allergic cats. to cat stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, here, here's where... Uh, um, here's where I'm not sure exactly they know what practical applications mean. Because I say, Sago Takaki... Uh, Takaki... Takaki... Said the research may have practical applications. Understanding cats more deeply helps to establish better cat-human relationships. Very practical. Very <laughs> <Is that laughs> important. <laughs> almost nothing more practical than that. Cats may be inte- as intelligent as dogs, as opposed to the common view of people that dogs are much smarter. I, d- I don't think that's a. <clears throat> I think most mm-hmm. people think. I agree. Most people think it's the other way around, right? Most yeah. people think cats are smarter, or at least. I mean, the the stereotype is more independent. Yeah, more aloof. Yeah. yeah. But... And I feel like that's the the implication is, like, holier if not smarter than thou sort of aloofness, right? Yeah. So, well, maybe that's always the way. You know how sometimes people mistake someone for being intelligent because they're just quiet for a bit. Right, right. Or they're yeah. just always, always off by themselves just doing their own thing. And like, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he's really thinking. And, like, he, <laughs> if you yeah. look in his mind, it's just like... I think... It's weird that a scientist is still hung up on cats versus dogs. <laughs> it really is. Like, that seems like such a childish thing to still care. To, to pit them. It's fair enough to go, like, I want to understand more about cats or I want to understand more about dogs, but to be like, cats are better than dogs, or whatever, it still seems a little bit... Yeah. That might be more the spin that this, the, the press <laughs> release and therefore the article had to give, which seems to be half of science these days, is you do your proper scientific experiment and study and write it up. And then the PR department of the university or yep. the scientific journal it's published in comes up with a really easy right. headline Lovely. that then makes it get picked up by various news agents around the world. And if it involves chocolate and or sex, all the better. Yeah. Or something that was previously thought to be bad for you that is now good for you. Right, right, right. Um, uh, Professor Laurie Santos of Yale said that the experiment nicely shows the cats are remembering information about where they searched before and also which locations used to have food. It opens the door to new studies examining how long cats' memories can be and whether they also remember richer episodes in their own life as humans do. Uh, experiments have shown dogs also appear to have memories linked to specific times and places. The same team of Japanese scientists previously found that in similar tests, dogs had memories of food bowls from which they had eaten. And last year, a team from Hungary found that dogs were able to recall their owner's actions even when they were not specifically instructed to do so. It said the dogs thought, um, much bull, so food. <laughs> Sorry. Um, is, is that, by the way, is the Doge meme racist or not? Do you know that? I, I don't think so. Okay, good. Uh, literally, by the way, stop press while we're still on animals. Um, literally, as we're speaking, we got a tweet from Jason Adams who sent us... A human pig chimera. Was this from Jason Adams originally? Was this from... Oh, no. Someone else sent it originally. Um, Let me find it. But uh, a human pig chimera uh, created in a lab. Scientists hope that it represents key steps towards life-saving lab-grown organs. I'll put the link up there so you can also have the... uh, And he's looking confused. Oh, cool. Um, But it was just tweeted at us. Um, a pig embryo injected with human cells early in its development. There's a picture of it, James. 
sort of sort of pig embryo with human cells. Uh, I mean, that if you showed me that and asked me to guess what it was, I wouldn't have guessed that. No, I would have gone. That looks like a pig embryo injected with human cells. Mm. Then no, I probably would have guessed the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think I just thought it was one of those like um, limited edition Jelly Belly flavors. It looks like maybe it's oh, like yeah. a Harry Potter one or something. Or yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be some really inventive one that wouldn't really taste that great. But mm-hmm. yeah. Oh no, I, 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 it was it was Jason who sent it to us first. Uh, in a remarkable, if likely controversial feat, scientists announced today that they have created the first successful human-animal hybrids. The project proves that human cells can be introduced in a non-human organism, survive, and even grow inside a host animal, in this case, pigs. The biomedical advance has long been a dream and a quandary for scientists hoping to address a critical shortage of donor organs. Um, every 10 minutes, a person is added to the national waiting list for organ transplants, and every day, 22 people on that list die without the organ they need. What if, instead of relying on a generous donor, you could grow a custom organ inside an animal instead? Um... Yeah, that's now one step closer to reality. An international team of researchers led by the Salk Institute um, reports in the journal Cell. The team created what's known scientifically as a chimera, an organism that contains cells from two different species. Is it chimera or chimera? Oh, I forgot. It's, I think in English, in American English, it's the second one, but I think I've been mispronouncing the ch instead of ka. I think this came up on a different podcast I was on. Anyway. Okay. Let's 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 see. Let's go to the internet. Go to one of those YouTube uh, clips that's just pronouncing words. Kai, Mir. Okay. Kai Mir. Right there, we go. (laughs) Uh, In the past, human animals, uh, chimera, have been beyond reach. Such experiments are currently ineligible for public funding in the United States, but I'm sure that's all about to change. Yeah. (laughs) With this science march. (laughs) With this very science positive. Uh, They've got pigs on the march with human legs. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Pigs on two legs, just walking down, holding holding a little placard. (laughs) Is that like that's like a centaur of uh, yeah? To pig on top. Hmm. Trying to think of how useful if it'd be more useful to have human legs legs or pig body. I think you'd want the pig's body on, on the human legs, right? I guess. A human with trotters is kind of going to be a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. Neither one seems like it has any kind of like real purpose. I'm trying to think of what the superpower of a half-man half-pig would be, and I don't... <laughs> the ability to consume a large amount yeah. of varied meals? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't really... Yeah, it wouldn't be the most popular... It would be... A, I think if it was in Narnia, it'd be a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't think it would be a goodie. <laughs> You know. That's a good way to categorise yeah, yeah. hybrid animals. Yeah, yeah. What side would they be yeah, on no, when it comes down to Aslan versus the Queen? <laughs> yeah. Good versus evil. Final battle in Narnia. Who would they side with? <laughs> I think. I think whatever side they'd be on, they'd probably be very easily distracted. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they'd yeah. stay on their task. Yeah, the pigs wouldn't be great. The, the, the human legs. I say a few apples could probably knock them off right. the fight. Yeah, yeah. It's not- <laughs> in uh also i wonder like in this new administration i think science in general is going to suffer but science that's done within a volcano right right yeah. underneath of a hollowed out volcano yeah. yeah yeah definitely i think we'll find a real boon um 
so far the SALT team has relied on private donors for this project. Public opinion, too, has hampered the creation of organisms that are part human, part animal. But for least study author ja- uh, Jun Wu of the SALT Institute, um, we need only look to mythical chimeras, like the human-bird hybrids we know as angels, for a different perspective. Oh, don't try and argue it this way, <laughs> Jun Wu. In ancient civilizations, chimeras were associated with God, he says, and our ancestors thought the chimeric form could guard humans. In a sense, that's what the team hopes human-animal hybrids will one day do. I don't think you're going to win over the Christian right by claiming <laughs> we're making angels for you. I've never <laughs> even thought of an angel as a human-bird hybrid. We're doing... Uh, really, uh, uh, it really reduces the magic yeah. of it. We're not, we're not taunting God, we're replacing God. Yeah, I hope yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what they like. <laughs> oh, good, you're doing God's work. Uh, that's, that's good, then. Instead of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> replacing him. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> in a way, we're just like God. <laughs> so like God, right? you like him, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're like a cover band. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, there are two ways to make a Camaro. The first is to introduce... I, I'm still pronouncing it differently to the video. The first is to introduce the organs of one animal into another, a risky proposition because the host's immune system may cause the organ to be rejected. The other method is to bring it to begin at the embryonic level introducing one animal cells into the embryo of another and letting them grow together into a hybrid. It sounds weird, but it's an ingenious way to eventually solve a number of vexing biological problems with lab-grown organs. When scientists discovered stem cells, the master cells that can produce any type of body tissue, they seem to contain infinite scientific promise, but convincing those cells to grow into the right kind of tissues and organs is difficult. Cells must survive in petri dishes, Scientists have to use scaffolds to make sure the organs grow into the right shapes, and often patients may undergo, must undergo painful and invasive procedures to harvest the tissues needed to kick off the process. Um, at first, Juan Carlos Ipisua Belmonte, a professor in the Salk Institute's Gene Expression Lab, thought the concept of using a host embryo to grow organs seemed straightforward enough, but it took um, Belmonte and more than 40 collaborators four years to figure out how to make this chimera. Um, and to do so, the team piggybacked off prior research conducted on mice and rats. Other scientists had already figured out how to grow the pancreatic tissue of a rat inside a mouse. On Wednesday, that team announced that mouse pancreases grew, grown inside rats successfully treated diabetes when parts of the healthy organs were transplanted into diseased mice. Oh, we've we've talked about this gene editing tool called CRISPR before. We've talked about that previously on the show, but that's what they used to hack into the mouse blastocysts, the precursor of embryos. And they deleted the genes that mice needed to grow certain organs. When they used rat stem cells, those cells flourished. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Tell you what, I think within my lifetime, there's going to be a pig with a human brain, and it's going to be messed up. <laughs> well, they already think. Orwell think warned like against it. Yeah. It'll be thinking like a human. And it still can't. It's still just oinking, but like maybe oinking out in Morse code, uh, kill me or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just going to know too much. Uh, yeah, I don't think I want super smart pigs. <laughs> but then again, I do like free organs. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I stand on this exactly. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough yeah. when it's like, well, that animal wouldn't exist at all if we didn't need the organ because we've created it from scratch. Right. But then it's not like, because you create it, you can just do whatever the fuck you want with it. It's, it's pretty crazy as well. So it's, 
is tricky. Yeah. So this te- this team tried rat cells injected into pig blastocysts, which failed. Not surprisingly, says the article, since rats and pigs have dramatically different gestation times and evolutionary ancestors. But pigs are very similar to humans. They take less time to gestate, but their organs look a lot like us. Uh, look like ours. Uh, but the team still discovered that in order to introduce human cells into the pigs without killing them, they had to get the timing just right. They tried three different types of human cells, essentially representing three different times. And through trial and error, they learned that naive, pluripotent cells, which are stem cells with unlimited potential, didn't survive as well as the ones that had developed a bit more. Um, when those just right human cells were injected into the pig embryos, the embryos survived. They were then put into adult pigs, which carried the embryos for between three and four weeks before they were removed and analyzed. In all, they, they created 186 later stage chimeric embryos that survived. And they estimate they had about one in 100,000 human cells. Which is a low percentage, but early days. Um, so these are not... If they let those go to term, they would not have been uh, super smart. They would have just been one uh, thousandth of a percent human. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think. Okay. I, I think I'm okay with this. So this hasn't crossed any lines for me yet. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm going to give it the thumbs up. <laughs> you agree? Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Finally, Andy Wood is weighing yeah, no, in no. on. I'm fine with this. I'm very okay with this. Maybe right. if, like, we also uh, just like to balance things out and return the favor, we uh, we did the opposite as well. So we did humans that are one thousandth percent like pig, and we then used that to if there's any sick pigs, we could give them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that's like just kill. <laughs> Just, just remove it from these human yeah. beings. Bacon transplants and stuff. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it the other way around. I'd be like, there you go. We've also <laughs> We've created these guys for you and to be harvested. And uh, yeah, all's fair. I like it. Part yeah, a little bit of pig. We, we're all a little. We're all a little pig, right? Make it a little more. We're all a little bit pig. Um. What do you want to talk about, Andy? Oh, that's a very good question, Matt. I wish I had a quick answer for you. Um, well, we had we had a couple, like, I, like you said, we only recorded yesterday, so there weren't a lot of time to get people to send in new stories. We did get something about a huge otter fossil, millions of years old, that was discovered in China. Yeah, a few people sent this in. Uh, the fossil of an otter as big as a wolf has been discovered by scientists in southwest China. It's thought it roamed around the warm, humid wetlands more than six million years ago. Named Siamagale Melilutra, the huge otter would have weighed around 110 pounds and been up to two meters in length. Uh, Ruby Miller is one of the people who sent this in. Thank you. For By the that. way, again, debunking something I didn't previously know was known or was was thought. Um, I didn't realize that otters are substantially smaller than wolves normally. Really? Hey, what did you think otters were? <laughs> uh, 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 well, hang on. How big is a wolf? Wolf like a big pretty dog. Big man. Like yeah, but a, I thought otters uh, are relatively sizable, aren't they? No, well, you think they're seals, maybe. Small. Oh, maybe I am. Cute. Otters yeah. are, are like water chipmunks or water squirrels. So cute. Are they that they small? Hands. Bigger than squirrels, but smaller than. They're like the size of a terrier, probably. Yeah. Smaller than a terrier. They've got little hands and stuff. Maybe 18 little inches long. Cute, cute otters. They hold okay. hands. Okay, as big as a wolf. I stand down. <laughs> <laughs> I fully. All right, I'm, I'm watching. I'm looking at a picture now of a man holding an otter yeah. and. 
Yeah, 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 I take it back. That is a very that's a much smaller thing yeah. than I was. He's, he's coming. In, I can't see the picture, but I imagine he's coming in off pretty easily, right? <laughs> Holding the yeah, with he's great ease. Like, <laughs> doesn't need like a hand truck or something. To yeah, like struggling. I saw a lot of cute. I went to the zoo once uh, on a first date, and there was loads of really cute otters, and they um they all scurried over to this wall where we were standing, and were all right beneath us, and then and they were laying down all together, holding hands. That's what otters do. They all hold hands together. Aww. It was really cute. And then they paired up and started aggressively 69ing. <laughs> and it was not nice. Like, really aggressively. Like, it looked painful. And we really didn't like it. We had to walk away. I appreciate the otter slut shaming going on in this room. I yeah, sorry. I mean, yeah. To do, it was. Consenting otters. That's true. That's true. They, they should do whatever they like. Good. But, yeah, they're pretty They're pretty cute. Um, I've seen them out in the wild, and they will also go down to the, the sea or river floor or whatever and grab. A shellfish and then grab rocks and put it on their belly and then like slam the rock into the into the clam or whatever on their belly to crack it open it's really right. cute looking like yeah, they're using tools anyway okay they so ju- this, they juggle rocks they right. juggle right they can ride unicycles yeah um, so yeah these things would have been I was two meters so way off about the size of an otter by the way I'm sorry just, <laughs> yeah, you just, I mean, were, you, were you picturing a seal or a sea lion or maybe something? I was or maybe I, was I just amazed. had never seen one actually like next to something to scale I just yeah Oh, that's an otter, and just not seen it in comparison to other people or animals. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I love it though. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love it uh, after after the whole like pig story, and you you said all that real scientific stuff, and then after like, that, go uh, an otter's oh. about the size of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, <laughs> what the hell is this? I've gone three and a half decades without ever fully appreciating <laughs> the size of an otter. Yeah. But it does say that there are some big ones. Like the South American giant river otter weighs up to seventy pounds. So that's like two-thirds of this um, one they found the fossil of. Um, so yeah, this this one reminds us of the diversity of life in the past and how many more questions there are still to answer, said Denise Sue, Cleveland Museum of Natural History curator and paleobotany and paleoecology. Um, uh, who would have imagined a wolf-sized otter? She said, the earlier... Me, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The earliest known otter lived about 18 million years ago. Fossils are rare and scattered across the globe, making the study of otter evolution more challenging. This fossil suggests that uh, the otter would have had strong jaws and enlarged cheek teeth. Um, Ming Wang, head of the vertebrate paleontology at the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County, said, I think it used its powerful jaws to crush hard clams for food, somewhat like modern sea otters, although the latter use stone tools to smash shells, like I was saying. Uh, if Siamogale Melalutra was not smart enough to figure out tools, perhaps the only option left was to develop more powerful jaws by increasing body size. And these fossils were found in China's Yunnan province. Uh, an almost complete cranium and lower jaw, teeth, and limb bones were among the finds. And although the skill had long been crushed I'm guessing that was supposed to be skull. Although the skull had long been crushed during the fossilization process, experts were able to reconstruct it digitally. It revealed the animal had otter-like and badger-like qualities. The same region has yielded a variety of other fossils, including an important ape skull, along with elephants, beavers, deer, crocodiles, swans, and ducks. So uh, cool, giant uh, six-foot, 100-pound otters. We'll, we'll post a link to that and all the stories we cover on probablyscience.com, our spa- Squarespace-powered website, uh, well, you can also find the donation button. Mm-hmm. Quick aside before we uh, move on with a couple more stories to thank the people who've donated between since <laughs> the episode. Reco- hours. <laughs> Quite a few have come in because we recorded two days ago, but we have had a donation from, I think we'd already thanked uh, Sarah Kramer, who was our 
one of our many shit scientist listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I just saw that. Thank you again, Sarah. Thank you, Emma Wilton, for your donations. Very kind of you. For your uh, monthly recurring donation. Uh, same for Murphy Shane. Um, thank you uh, for the one-off donation from uh, Kathleen... Catherine Moran, or Moran, I'm not sure how you pronounce your last name, could be either, uh, who also says, fuck Trump, yay science, thanks for being <laughs> awesome. Um, Peter Lipsy. Lipsy. Lipsy, thank you. You correct me every single time. You should just do that one. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do uh, Leanne Major as well? Sure. Thank you both Leanne of those. Leanne Major. Thank you for your, yeah. uh, again, monthly recurring donations. Very kind of you. Um uh, you can also help us out financially if you're shopping on Amazon by going through our shopping link. Uh, click on our link on the Amazon shopping tab on our website or set that as the bookmark in your browser so you never have to remember to do it. Mm-hmm. It gives us a kickback for everything you buy and it costs you no extra. Um, and then the other way you can help us is by spreading the word. Tweet, Facebook, write nice things about us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts on. Give us nice ratings. Tell your friends. Uh, all that kind of thing. Um, uh, should we do a... We, we, we've been quite animal-heavy the last couple of episodes. That's true. Um, do you fancy a, a speed of light yeah. story? Yeah, let's get into some hard physics, sure. Uh, light speed camera snaps light sonic boom for the first time. Uh, here's a picture of it as well. Here's a, here's a animation. That's a li- That's the equivalent of a sonic boom, but with a photon of light. That is a... For the for the listeners, an orange triangle expanding and moving across the screen. Yeah, with a sort of brighter right. white yellow thing. It almost looks like it almost looks like um, a very slow down video of a bullet, but from a shot with an infrared camera. Or also like one of those things that construction sites put on to tell you to go to the right lane. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a light. What it is. We're yeah. all falling for it. <laughs> uh, a light speed event requires an even faster camera. A new camera setup has captured the first film of a photonic Mac cone, basically a sonic boom with light in real time. Uh, That's Mac, M-A-C-H, like as in Mac 1, Mac 2, speed of sound. Our camera is different from a common camera where you just take a snapshot and record one image. Our camera works by first capturing all the images of a dynamic event in one snapshot, then we reconstruct them one by one, says Jian Liang at Washington University in St. Louis. The technique called lossless encoding compressed ultrafast photography or LLE cup captures a hundred billion frames per second allowing it to create real-time video of scattering light with a single snapshot Einstein's theory of relativity forbids anything from traveling fast in the speed of light so Liang and his colleagues use a trick to mimic a beam of light breaking its own speed limit they shot a laser through a tunnel filled with dry ice fog which was flanked by two silicon rubber panels because light travels through silicon more slowly than through fog. Silicone. Silicone. Well, I mean, it's different from silicon. If you You're re- correct. Forget it. Sorry. Uh, the laser pulse Boobs, left. A sh- not semiconductors. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the laser pulse left a shock wave traveling behind it in a cone shape, or con shape. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like it. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Ultra-fast imaging is already used in medicine and the study of light, but it usually requires multiple snapshots, meaning the event being recorded needs to be precisely repeatable. That's not always possible in the real world. By capturing the whole thing in one go, the LLE cup system eliminates that problem and also lets researchers analyze any extra scattering of light that would distort their image. The whole thing about biomedical imaging is that tissue scatters light. That's why we're not transparent, 
So that degrades information content, says Bruce Tromberg, a profession of surgery and biomedical engineering at UC Irvine. With LLE cup, we can separate the scattering from irrelevant tissues and isolate the light's interactions with specific cells. The system could be used with standard cameras, microscopes, and even telescopes, uh, says Liang. It could help detect the very small, like neurons firing or cancer cells, and the extremely large, like changes in the light within a supernova. It's got a very heavy, wow, this is amazing factor. Here's the thing, it doesn't tell us how this thing actually works. It's annoying, like, how does it capture all of the image at the same time and then analyze it? 100 billion frames per second. I also don't understand... Okay, wait, so... They're saying that because the light travels more slowly through silicon, then it's starting to... Why would there be a shockwave? Like, you have to be breaking... Like, there's no rule against breaking the sound barrier, which is why you can have a sonic boom, but because of all the relativity shit that happens at the speed of light, um, I, I just don't understand how so it, it cheats it because like the speed of light is slower in a in a non vacuum. So the speed of light the speed of light in a vacuum is the absolute limit that anything can ever travel at in the universe. Right. But the speed of light in say glass or water or dry ice and silicone is slower than that so you can make things go faster than light it, you can make things go faster than light does in a medium you can make things go faster what is the thing that's going faster than the light then <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> that that is a good question because <laughs> it looks like, like a, light is the thing that's, going, the faster thing that's going, going faster than light faster than light right so i guess it's few it's making it travel through the silicone which is slower than it goes through the dry ice fogs so you're viewing it from the dry ice in the silicone. So what you're seeing is a reflection, which is light, of the light itself. I, I don't understand. I mean, okay, I, I'm not as smart as them. I accept that it's happening. It's just I think, don't Okay, I think it. that's when it might happen. So it's traveling through the, sil- the dry ice, and then it, go- then it hits the silicone it instead. Down. And as it goes through the silicone, it's previously traveling at a higher speed of light, and now it's moving to a lower speed of light. So this photon is moving now faster than the speed of light should be through the silicone and at exactly that moment you get that cone-shaped effectively sonic boom pattern i just still don't see what you're see- what you're seeing what that cone is what you're seeing if if not photons <laughs> like what forget it, it there's, there's no way i'm gonna suddenly understand it but okay uh, it's the cool first, the picture looks cool the first time i ever heard the uh face so- sonic boom was playing Sonic the Hedgehog. So since you started this, all I've been thinking about <laughs> is Sonic the Hedgehog and I've taken absolutely none of it in. <laughs> I've just been thinking about playing Sonic the Hedgehog at Youth Club and queuing up for ages to play it and then dying within five seconds and then queuing up again. And just how sad that was. And uh, how I wish you know, I, I'd done really well that time in front of everyone at Youth Club playing Sonic <laughs> the Hedgehog. And I've thought about that for the whole time. Wait, this was on a, on a console or an arcade? You're saying waiting at it was a console. So, yeah, so, so they bought a the console and, and you'd all have to wait for your turn to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the kids who had it at home would just be playing for oh, ages. Yeah, Isn't it also fair. what that's... Guile shouts in Street Fighter when he does his... He probably Sonic does that Sonic Boom. Boom as well, yeah, I think yeah. he does. But yeah, I remember getting on that games console to play Sonic and just lasting. <laughs> so I just fell into the first set of spikes and that was it. Yeah, uh, we like, were a non-Sega household. So anytime I was at a friend's house trying to play Altered Beasts or something, it was fucking impossible. Too hard. I was Sega, so I was screwed on a Nintendo house. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Have you guys seen the new um, little $60 NES thing that comes preloaded with like 40 games? Not. It was kind of the, the Cabbage Patch Kids or whatever of this season, Christmas-wise. It was impossible to get. My brother happened to get one. Um, it's pretty awesome. It just plugs in HDMI into any TV, and it has like all the classics. It has Zelda, has, I don't know, Excitebike, um, all three Marios. Uh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, f- I forgot how quickly all that stuff comes back. Like even memorizing like oh. which order you have to go, like yeah. northwest, southwest in the and those like, Zelda levels to get to the secret place. Yeah, oh, I got Monkey Island on my phone recently. And uh, is that one of the Lucas Arts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I loved it as a kid, but my computer had an Amiga. Yeah, and it crashed. I was literally playing Monkey Island one and two at the same time, and I got to the final stage of both of them, and then my computer broke. Shit. So I just couldn't ever finish them. And Those are then, the ones that are kind of like text-based, or not exactly. But Point-and-click like... games. Oh, okay. so just going around and trying to yeah, just, just solve the puzzles and stuff. But they're also pretty funny. They've got a good sense of humor to them. Yeah. And a lot of them have... So I think... I'm trying to remember if it was... The, there was the parts of the Caribbean ride, and then they did Monkey Island, and then they did the parts of the Caribbean film and took a lot of the Monkey Island... Uh, ideas and put it in in the parts of the Caribbean films. Really, that first that yeah. one. Yeah, so that, so there's a lot of bits that are from Monkey Island. I had no idea. One. But like it's because they kind of inspired each other. Yeah. So there was the ride, and then that got, that inspired Monkey Island, and then that inspired the film. Or Monkey Island came first, and both the, the parts of the Caribbean stuff were inspired by it. I'm not sure. I still can't believe that that movie was as good as it was. Like when that was getting announced, everyone was like, this is the dumbest. You're making a movie yeah. based on a ride. Like, yeah. That's so stupid. And it was like surprisingly good. Yeah. But there you go. And Monkey Island is to thank for it. Yeah. Because some of those, yeah, some of the best bits are from there. Did you ever play Leisure Suit Larry or is that ahead of no. my too old for you guys? Uh, no, I did. You did? Really? Yeah. Well, I think we've talked about, have we talked about this on the show before? No, no. Uh, I don't remember. Ever. My friend, my friend Jordan had a. His dad had a copy. Yeah, because it was almost inappropriate. Well, you had to. Uh, was, <laughs> there was ha- no actual nudity, was there? I forgot. Well, I mean, it was cartoon. It was I mean, all drawing. But even all, that, there wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you had to. You know, there was, I think. And But you had to. I would have taken cartoon boobs back then. Do you remember the age test that's... for it? Because you had to answer trivia questions based on that you'd only know if you were of a certain age. <laughs> but, and we had to ask Jordan's dad what the answer was. Like, it was all about, like. Uh, like who who had a number one hit in nineteen like okay. seventy one with whatever. Yeah. That you wouldn't know if you were under eighteen. Pre internet, yeah, that's a pretty good way of, of determining if you're old enough to know. Yeah, pre Google, pre Wikipedia. Yeah. That's pretty hard to We had a version of Tetris on our Amiga where um if you if you got a, a line, uh it would reveal uh, part of a picture behind it and it was always a, a cartoon like lady in a bikini or something oh nice and uh made of ascii characters or like what was the or just just i don't even know yeah it was just just like a non just a a lady yeah so it was just like a and and i've never (laughs) i've never met anyone else who had this game this version (laughs) version of tetris correct but like uh yeah yeah if you got the more the more levels you got the higher up you got the more lines you got the uh the more you got to see the the lady well there's also also pubs in england have like they sell these sort of racks of peanuts or other yeah. snacks where behind them is a picture of a woman in a bikini. Yeah. And the more of the packets of peanuts that people buy, the more of the lady you get to see. Yeah, so people just buying peanuts just because they want to see... I mean, yeah. nowadays, surely, you'd hope that they're not doing as well because if someone really <laughs> wants to see a lady in a bikini, they could just Google it on their actual phone 
and not have to buy a packet of peanuts to see what she looks like. But I missed that back when you would like have to turn a pen upside down to make yeah. it <laughs> or like these kinds of uh, better times ASCII based uh, <laughs> nude drawings. Remember these from early <laughs> Matt? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they even I made mean, up. Is of. It, I guess I shouldn't talk about it if I'm not going to show it. Should I link to one of these on the, on the podcast? I think if you just. Google, Google, Google ASCII boobs. ASCII boobs, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do images, yeah. You'll see what I mean, yeah. It's just, like, it's really only one level up from writing, like, 531-8008 on a calculator. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I really wish I'd grown up in a time where they weren't as easily accessible. So much. <laughs> it wasn't that great. It wasn't that great. <laughs> oh, I would have liked it, man. I, I, I'm currently, like, I, I'm, I'm trying to give, like, all of that up. And I'm actually finding it a lot easier than I thought I would. Really? But, yeah, but God, I, I just had enough. Do you know what I mean? You, you, yeah. you go, oh, fuck it. I'm just tired of this now. I'm tired of... Uh, and also, once you take that uh, option out of you, and you're just like, that's not... You're not, not wanting to Google that anyway. There's quite a nice experience going online. <laughs> I quite like it now. <laughs> Do you think about old, but, you old people who just grew up before all of that stuff and it was just never... They'll never know, like, how much they would have been into that. Should That's I a mean? good point. You might not even know that you. I wonder how much. Yeah, like I don't. I hate to be like alarmist about new technology, you know. But yeah. like, yeah, how, how how many fetishes have we just given ourselves because <laughs> yeah. there is an option of even knowing that it exists? Where yeah, you would have just gone through life not even knowing that you had this thing that you needed to get off. Yeah, like, or some people you hear, you know, it's like the more they go uh, on porn, the, the more like that doesn't do it for them, so they have to ramp it up and stuff like that. Right, right. And like, and like, you got, you know, you put got some old men who are just like their whole life, and then they get to, and they don't, they never got to know any of that because yeah. it was just like, well. It's some point i hope someone will sleep with me and like yeah. you know only the really sick ones <laughs> i mean yeah in the bigger when picture wise thing, you know yeah i mean that it applies to so many things that we just have more options about in our lives not even just like sex and relationship stuff but just like the the too much choice you know doesn't always lead to happiness like yeah. it's kind of better just to sort of be like this is what you have yeah and you have to like make do with it and enjoy it and you'll actually be happier but yeah we're fucked yeah yeah, I guess I do feel bad. I feel bad for kids, but also for parents. Like, if I had kids right now, I don't know what I would. Because, like, oh. by, by the time they're adolescents, they're going to be so much more yeah. adept with whatever the current technology is than I am. Like, how can you oh. fucking hope to have any kind of like lockdown on whatever they're going to be? Crazy, yeah, man. You ever see like a, a, a two year old with an iPhone or an iPad? Right, yeah. They just. They're, they're, Expert hackers already. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you I, see toddlers I, I, also go up to take TVs and like swipe on the TV. Yeah, yeah. or even just everything. normal photos, just printed out yeah. photos, <laughs> and just trying. Yeah. Not sure why it's not like why stretching this and moving to me yeah. touching it. Yeah, when we're fucking when, when we're when we're old, I, <laughs> everyone younger than us is going to be absolutely terrifying. They're going to be so much more. I, mean, I, I, I guess that might have been how it's always been. That you get to be an old person and everyone. You know, people who were like in their twenties and whatever yeah. seem like Martians. But I want to believe that we have grown up in a time where there was such constant change that we it will be different because adapting is more in our like not DNA, but you know our DNA, so to speak. Like yeah. we're we're used to having to adapt to new things every couple of years. So I'm hoping that means we don't ever become super out of touch with what the current right, technology right, is yeah, but I mean yeah. who knows maybe it's inevitable and at a certain age you're just like fuck because I'm already like just like Snapchat like hanging sure. out with people 15 years younger than me who use that more 
yeah. often and effectively than I do watching them like just ninja on it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Is it yeah. that I don't care or is it that I can't do this? I don't know. Yeah. And you're like, oh, am I the person like from 200 years ago whinging about the piano when the harpsichord is all you need? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, also, I've, I've like completely... I've just like distanced myself from social media now just because it was doing my head in. But then with that, you kind of like, right, well, now I have to make the effort in the mornings to like um, find out the news and stuff like that because that was actually the main place I was getting news updates from. Right, right, right. social media. And, uh, you know, it's a better place. It's better to just Google, you know, latest news and find that out from a slightly less biased I mean obviously yeah, right, different right. Place, but like you know yeah. it's just find that out but like it means that I do have to make that effort now yeah I do res- miss like just reading a newspaper or two every day well, like when yeah. I was a student the common room they had all the newspapers because that was a thing that was one of the things they spent money on every yeah. day they would just have one of each of the main newspapers and you just pick one up and start flicking through it, and it's quite nice to have stuff curated like that. Yeah, and just mm. have that kind of linear thinking that you stick to one thing for a while. Because even when I'm reading the news online, I don't like read a whole article. I read the first couple lines I'll, of the first I few open twenty different tabs and, and work my way through them over the course yeah. of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta just. Oh, it's so easy if you just fucking decide to. I mean, it's not easy, but yeah, I gotta just fucking. Well, on the, on that note, James, what is your social media? And like, do you still tweet? Do you still? Uh, I'm kind of taking a break from it, but I, I, I'm tweeting, but via someone else. So I, I, I'm telling someone else what to tweet for me, which is fucking. It sounds a lot worse. It sounds worse than it is, um, but it's just at James Acaster on Twitter, and right. at the minute, it's mainly me tweeting about uh, tour dates and, uh, and various things. So yeah. Well, well you're we- right. Oh, sorry. No, what are you saying? Well, I mean, like, maybe it's a good thing because like Twitter could be dying. Like people are already sort of saying like the alt right has won Twitter and and people are quitting. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was just it was just getting to the point where like I couldn't read like all the everyone I followed was bumming me out. Yeah. So yeah. like I had to just like oh, I can't be bothered. It's a good time to check out of news. It's annoying I if it is dying because that's the one social platform yeah. that I enjoy the most and I'm the best at. That's the thing is for comedians it really is kind of. I the mean, best. the best at compared to the other ones for me, not the best at in the world. You're the best. Yeah. <laughs> You are objectively the best at. But like, I, I, I'm not a picture. I don't like take. I'm not a picture taker. And Instagram is the thing. Instagram is how you can get like free hotel rooms and stuff. Like, if you got enough followers, you can get. Like, even when I when I was a kid or whatever. Like, I never, I never really wandered around with a camera. Yeah, I, I found, I found years ago. I found like a an old disposable camera from like a. 25 years ago that I just never bothered to develop because I just don't care that much about photos. Yeah. So. I didn't really either until college. I had time my last semester. I'd already finished most of my requirements so I just took this photography class and it was so fun and like... The, That's cool. Like, hanging and to out be honest, it is nice to look back on photos room. that other people have taken. Like yeah. I do like... Um, I like... Oh, I can imagine you really getting into like the dark room thing. Oh, yeah, it's, like, it's such it's a fun little chemistry set and everything. Yeah, I've never done stuff like that, and just seeing it like come out from nothing is like really satisfying. Like, yeah, it's just a weird combination of something quite artistic, but also a little science project. Sci- and like the actual the main the main things that you can control on a camera are very, you know, like the optics, the physics of like yeah. depth of field, like larger apertures, smaller depth of field, and like yeah, exposure time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. And I it, I do now like looking back on photos that other people have taken from times in my life from 20 plus years ago. Yeah. Uh, every so often, a friend of mine from school or university will post some photos on Facebook, and I do enjoy seeing, oh, that's what I remember right. that. But I, I think I've just always relied on other people taking the pictures and getting more out of it than I have. So I just... Let them do it. Yeah, 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 but that does. If Instagram takes over as the main thing that I have to do, oh, God, all right. It's what determines who gets on the uh, celebrity Tinder. 
Do you know about Raya? No. The celebrity Tinder? I did not know <laughs> there's this. A, there's a celebrities only Tinder, and the way that they wow. determine if you're a celebrity is you enter your Instagram, and they look at a combination oh. of like the number of followers, the interaction you have with people they've already deemed celebrities, right? That kind of shit. So, and then once you're on there, like I have friends that are on there, and it's always funny to they're around to look at who they get matched up with because it's like when the women show me who what men they get, it's always like the skeeviest celeb. <laughs> it's like. It's like all Jeremy Piven, basically. Wall to wall Piven. Yeah. Um, so James A. Cast at James A. Caster. Yep. Uh, and you're about to tour the UK. Yeah, I'm uh, doing a tour of the UK. I'm doing um, uh, three different shows on three consecutive nights at each venue. So I'm doing that. Holy then, shit. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll do the Edinburgh Festival, those three shows. And then uh, September is filming those shows. So. Nice. Are those new? Are those the three previous shows that you took to Edinburgh? Yeah. So they're, uh, yeah, one's three years old, one's two years old, and one's one year old. And, Sweet. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and they're all great. All three of those got nominated for the main award. All three of them James got is nominated. very good. Damn. Uh, <laughs> listeners who don't already know him, go, go on. Go and see him on tour. Please in do. your town. That's Please a fairly do. hefty tour. Doing three shows a night or three shows. Yeah, for, for, per, for, yeah. So just just staying in the same town or city for three nights, uh, doing different show a night. Uh, uh, some people will go to all three. So in the first half, I'll always do like you know half an hour of stuff that's not in the show, but it'll always have to be a different half hour because some people have bought tickets to all three shows. So, yeah. so that basically means Damn. four and a half hours worth of material over the <laughs> yeah, three days. So I have to you? delve into the shows that I did before that. Uh, as well yeah that's daunting <laughs> that's a lot of stuff to keep in your head um, uh, I guess I will have already been at Sketchfest by the time this comes out uh, so I don't know what dates are coming up but uh, check me out on whatever new social media is about to come out and find right? that out yeah. you can follow us at Andy T. Wood at Matt Kirshen and then at Probably Science is the main podcast account you can tweet us you can email us probablyscience at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook as well uh, send us questions, comments, clarifications, uh, stories you'd like us to cover. Uh, write nice things about us on iTunes. Donate if you're able to donate. If you're shopping on Amazon, use our link and go and see James on tour. Also, I'd like to just promote. Uh, I did a, a music album last year. Oh, really? Because we we're talking about bands yeah, earlier. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I, because I used to be in a band, and a lot of the bands who we played with were folk bands, and I bought their demos back in the day. I liked a lot of their songs. This was about 10 years ago, and last year, um, I took a lot of those demos, and me and a comedian that Matt will know called Rob Deering yeah. uh, turned those uh, folk songs into kind of grungy songs, uh, recorded them, recorded 10 of them. So I didn't write any of them. We just did covers of them, and then we got the original singers back to sing on them, Damn. and uh, there's a band camp for it. All the money goes to youth centres in Kettering, where I'm from, that we used to practice out when we were kids. Oh, we'll totally um, to that. And so the the band is called uh, Luna Dot Raids the Bee Pigeon. But if you just put Luna L U N A and Dot D O Double T into Google, the first thing that comes up will be will be that. It's on Bandcamp. It's on Bandcamp. It's pay what you like. Oh no! Is Rob also from around there? No, Rob's not. Rob, Rob, Rob is just someone that I knew. He's a comedian who, uh, uh, for those who don't know, who uh, can just listen to a song and instantly play it. He's a very good musician, and uh, I knew that he'd be able to listen to these songs and not only learn them but also be able to do the style of music that I wanted to. He, as a comedian, he's got good observational skills and would be able to instantly go right. This is how this should sound if it's a grunge song. And so we just spent a year 
you know, or, you know, every every weekend, every now and again, people would come in and we'd record their parts. And uh, yeah, it was it was so much fun, and I'm, I'm really happy with uh, of how it all turned well, that's out. That's awesome. That's awesome. I just googled it, and by the way, and for Americans, not to say you couldn't. I assumed that you were saying lunar, but not saying the R because of the accent. But it's Luna, L-U-N-A, D-A-T-T, yeah. makes it come up. So yeah, yeah. In case you mistyped what I typed. We will also link to that both in the show notes and on probablyscience.com. Uh, James, thank you so much for joining us, Thanks man. Thanks for having, having me, not yeah, us. I was going to us. Uh, listeners, we'll see you next week. Yeah.